Hello and welcome to Tech Talks with Madonna, Season 2, Episode 2. Our guest today is Samaria. Samaria is a senior software engineer at Square and a regular conference speaker. She's been developing Android apps for over 10 years and she's worked in early stage startups as well as large companies and built apps in all kinds of spaces. For instance, social media, video streaming, smart home integrations, and finance. Somaya's second love is community engagement, so you'll also find her on stage at conferences, writing on her blog, or mentoring one-on-one. When she's not working on Android things, you'll find her very likely at home, despairing at all, reading, reading, gardening, crafting, and much more. Somaya will be talking about interviewing tips, tricks that work for her, and how she got over 10 offers in one year. Here, So do you mind introducing yourself? Hi, I am Samaya Ahmed. I met Madonna at DroidCon this year, where I'm a frequent speaker. Uh, I'm actually an Android developer at Square, Mm. and I have been making Android apps for nine and a half years. So next summer is going to be a full decade of Android development. Wow. That is amazing, a full decade. I mean... I started back in 2014, but not professionally. Mm-hmm. So, but I can imagine having a decade. That's pretty cool. Congrats on that. Now, I, sorry, do you want to say something? I was just going to say thank you. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <You're welcome. laughs> now, cool. Yeah. What got you interested in Android engineering? I actually had a very strange path to Android engineering. Mm -hmm. I did a computer science degree at the University of California. Mm -hmm. And to be frank, I got my butt kicked because I was not exposed to programming at all until Mm -hmm. I got to the undergraduate level. Mm -hmm. And I switched into computer science from math because Mm -hmm. I hated doing proofs. Mm -hmm. And immediately I realized I had no idea how to program. I didn't Mm -hmm. know what compilers were or terminals or anything like that. So Mm -hmm. something about it kept me going. I don't Mm -hmm. know what. (laughs) And I finished the CS degree and then I thought, okay, well, now what? Mm -hmm. Obviously the answer was to get a job Mm -hmm. and because I was struggling quite a bit with the data structures and algorithm style of interviewing mm-hmm. uh, that was very popular back then. And this is, you know, I can talk a lot about this, yeah. but uh, one of my professors offered me a summer job creating an Android app. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was for, um, I believe it was for a to create a travel app that would show your carbon offset for each route that you're taking. Mm -hmm. And I went into the summer knowing nothing about Android engineering. I learned off of YouTube and some random blog posts and I made this app and then I just fell in love with it. Um, The way I I hadn't fallen in love with the C++ programming or the database programming I did in school. You know, when you feel that little ping in your heart, that's like, I want to do this. I want to do more of this. That's what I felt when I made that Android app. Well, I think that actually resonates with me. Isn't it funny that we had the same entry point because mm-hmm. I also picked Android because I knew Java. Uh, um, that that actually has helped so many people get into yeah. Android development because Java is such a popular language. And it was, yes. I mean, now, of course, we have Kotlin, but it was such an easy transition back then from yeah. learning Java to doing Android development. That is very true. I like that. Now, this year we've seen so many layoffs, right? And mm-hmm. um, one thing that I know ended up getting 10 offers in a year, and now your dream job, I would call it. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is going to be so, so much stuff because mm-hmm. I'm going to, I have so much stuff to say about this. Nice. But let me ask you, sure. should we talk about the sabbatical part first? Mm-hmm. Yes, let's talk about the sabbatical f- 
part first, and then now we can talk about the 10 offers. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. Let's do this. So in 2021, Mm -hmm. I was coming off the heels of a pandemic, of -hmm. course, which meant that everything went upside down. uh, And I got a lot of reactions all the way from, that's amazing, you're going to love it, to oh my God, I could never, you know? So there was a whole spectrum of reactions there, Mm -hmm. which was very interesting. But what I found when I took that year off was Mm -hmm. it it has been amazing. It has been one of the most transformative years of my adult life, Mm -hmm. not just personally, but also professionally. Mm -hmm. For the first time in eight years, I actually stopped working full time. And I sat back and I thought about What is the kind of work that I love? What's the kind Mm -hmm. of work I want to keep doing? And that was the year I really started talking about Android development. And surprise, it actually propelled my public speaking career quite a bit because that's I during the time I was on sabbatical, I think I did something like seven conference talks. I had the time finally to start talking about what I was passionate about, uh, to start talking to other people, to start networking. And taking the break from Mm -hmm. the day-to-day, from the full-time job, it gave my mind a space to breathe and a space to be curious and reach out to people. So that was a sabbatical. It was a great experience. I have absolutely no regrets. Yeah. But then it came time to start looking for a job again. I had planned to take a year (laughs) off. And this is the irony. The entire time that that I was off of work, it was Mm -hmm. a crazy hiring market. Every company was higher, higher, higher. I was getting bombarded with recruiter calls and emails. I was watching all my ex-colleagues and friends sign these massive new offers. And look, I'm not going to lie. There was quite (laughs) a bit of, you know, fear of missing out right there. Yes. So I came into the job market in summer of 2021, in the mm-hmm. tail summer of 2021, mm-hmm. and I started, you know, casually doing a few interviews, mm-hmm. um, and then the stock market tanked, and then I started hearing, oh my God, I'm so sorry, we had openings earlier in the year, but we don't have as many now, or we're oh, going through a hiring freeze, call back later. Um, and this mm-hmm. alarmed me. Yeah. It was kind of a stressful situation to be going into interviews with, but I was determined. Mm -hmm. You know, I needed a job. I needed to get on with it. So I got on with it. And I did a smattering of interviews early on just Mm -hmm. to feel out what the Android market was like. Mm -hmm. And I realized, oh, my gosh, I need to prepare for this because as at a senior level Um, interview, you are expected to be an Mm -hmm. Android expert. You need to be able to talk fluently about complex Android things like multi-threading. You need to be really good at coding uh, Mm -hmm. data structures and algorithms. You need to be coding right off the bat with those things. Uh, That takes practice. I needed to, right? And I needed to brush up on a lot of the projects that I had done more like more than a year ago and remember details, mm-hmm. figure out how I was going to tell stories out of all of those things. So yeah. there's multiple things you need to be good at, not to mention system design. Yeah. Um, so I realized this is going to be something that takes preparation. Yeah. And that's when I jumped into my preparation phase. Wow. Wow. That is so great that you walked us through your sapatico to how you experienced the layoff period to how mm-hmm. you actually ended up preparing. And one thing that really amazes you, amazes me, sorry, about your path or your ambitions is that you didn't give up. 
you were no. in it because I think it's passion for you, right? I, I'm filling up that, that for you, but it feels like you were passion, very passionate about Android. Yes. And what happened, actually, what the job market had changed in the yeah. whole year that I was off. Mm-hmm. Because of COVID, we actually now have access to a lot more jobs than we would have yeah. prior because of remote work. Yes. And that actually sparked something in me. I was like, I mm-hmm. need to explore what's out there. I need to see which companies are out there, what type of projects are there. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't live in New York. I don't live in San Francisco. I don't have access to hundreds of tech companies right yeah. away. The only way I would have ha- had access to this is remote work. So That's that true. actually, uh, having that propelled me forward, it kept me motivated. It kept mm-hmm. me positive. Um, and it's, even though the grind of preparation, it was absolutely a grind. Yeah. And I, do you want me to dig deep into this? Because we yes, can definitely do we, that. We're definitely going next to that question. It's, okay. the, it's the next list. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, the second question that I had for you, I know I'll come, I'll ask you this question definitely at, at the end. Like, how do you stand mm-hmm. out in a pool of incredible uh, talent? Yes. But first, I wanted to ask you, what are the tips and tricks to accessing, like assessing a technical interview mostly? You got 10 offers, which is super great. So please tell us what are your tips and tricks? Ooh, uh, the thing that made the biggest difference for me, honestly, was mm-hmm. getting to the interview phase. And yeah. that was through referrals. Mm-hmm. Uh, having referrals really changed the game because um, you're putting your resume into an automated system. Mm-hmm. You may get replies two or three months later. Honestly, I'm still getting automated replies from, you know, these, these systems mm-hmm. now from something I applied to six months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be the difference between, you know, getting to an interview or getting, you know, rejected right off the bat. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I applied to a company online and I got their, you know, automated rejection email. Sorry, you don't qualify for this. And then I asked one of my contacts in that company to give me a referral. Boom, I got an interview for that same position. Ooh, so interesting. <laughs> having those referrals was amazing. It got me interviews and it got me to interviews fast. It didn't, you know, make you know, of course, once you get to the interview stage, it's all up to you on how you perform. But mm-hmm. having that person on the inside, getting you to the recruiter, getting you mm-hmm. in front of the hiring manager was amazing. And it made a huge difference in having the ability to line up all these interviews. I think I interviewed with 19 companies and wow. a lot of them I got through referrals. Amazing. Now, yeah. thank you so much for sharing that. Now, the second question that I have for you is how do you like, what are your best, like, sorry, how do you prepare for a behavioral interview? Because I know that's part of uh, an interview process too. Like, because yes. that's also us. And I think many people do sometimes say they fail on that section too. Do you mind, do you mind telling us how you prepare for that? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I actually talked to quite a lot of senior level and staff level engineers. And one thing mm-hmm. that they told me quite consistently was tell a story, figure out how to tell the story of your project. So typically yes. in a behavioral interview, you're going to get questions like, tell me about a time when, and it could be, tell me about a time when you failed on a project or mm-hmm. a time when a project went off the rails, what did you do to save it? Uh, and this is, this is honestly, it's a very tough section because mm-hmm. first of all, it's possible that you don't have a story that matches this question exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then you're trying to scramble and think of an incident 
like ahead of time and then you're trying to explain to the interviewer who has no context around you know what your decision making strategy was or the type of work that you were doing Mm -hmm. Uh, so practicing these and preparing these ahead of time helped hugely so Mm -hmm. I went and I looked through all of my old notes I'm a note taker so for the five years I was at Comcast, I kept detailed notes of every project and issue that I had worked on. Mm-hmm. I went back and looked at all of these and pulled out three or four stories mm-hmm. that would hold up to 20 to 30 minutes of questioning. You have to be able to go really deep into this. They can't be yeah. like, oh, here's how I fixed a bug. It could, mm-hmm. It's ideally a longer, complex project with multiple people involved. Mm-hmm. And then the second part is once you know what you're going to talk about, mm-hmm. uh, you have to learn how to create a narrative around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people tell you to use the star format, mm-hmm. situation, task, action, results. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I found that was very helpful in structuring the way I would tell the story. I also mm-hmm. uh, learned about something called man in the hole storytelling, where you mm-hmm. imagine yourself as this person in the hole, they're in trouble, and you have to explain how you climbed out of it. So it's, yeah. it's like the, the classic triangle of a story plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this helps because it creates a compelling narrative. It makes your story interesting. And mm-hmm. it also um, clearly focuses on what the problem is, what you did, how did you solve it. Uh, I also found that having a back and forth with the interviewer helped. Mm-hmm. So I would say something like, I don't have a I don't have a story that matches your question exactly, but I do have a story about how I fixed an issue that was driving our problem off the, our project off the rails. Do you want to oh hear about God. that? So like you can suggest alternatives. If they say yes, I would dive in and say like start with scoping out the problem. Give them context. Mm-hmm. So I was in a team of 6 people. Our task was to deliver one module out of 20 on a timeline of 6 months. That's context. That tells them exactly um, what the pro- where the problem was, mm-hmm. how many people you impacted, how big or how complicated this this problem was, and then you can move into the next step. Nice. I'm going to talk about. Tell them what you're going to tell them ahead of time. Give them a quick summary and then ask them mm-hmm. where you want them to dive in. Do you want me to talk about the people side of this? Do you want me to talk about the technical side of this? And how, engage them in conversation. Ask them what they want to hear from you. Yeah. Uh, it's very easy to launch into a 20-minute story and then surface and the interviewer is like, yeah, but can we rewind back to this part? I yes. actually want to hear more about this. Yeah. Wow. So this was, this was a skill set that I had to develop. and It is a skill set yeah. when you think about it. <laughs> right? Because we're not storytellers. We don't talk a lot. We're not up giving presentations all the time. We are but... quiet people. Engineers are quiet people. <laughs> that is very true. Trying yeah. to solve the problems in the back end. That is so true. Wow. Yeah. Now, you've mentioned amazing stuff. I'm wondering where are your best resources when preparing for an interview or where can people find some great resources? Oh my goodness. The resources question is an important one because the problem is there's too much of it, right? Yes. Google, like if you just Google um, software engineering interview or lead code interview prep, you get thousands of results. And lead code itself has got 10,000 questions. Yeah. Uh, This is the problem I ran into when I started preparing Mm -hmm. because it was too much. It's just too much to absorb. You don't know what's important. You don't know what to practice. Mm -hmm. So the problem actually is finding out how to get to the exact resource you need. Yeah. One thing I found was 
uh, scope your searches to mm -hmm. the exact role and the level that you're looking for. Yeah. So I was, I had to figure out, I want to look for Android prep material specifically at this company, specifically for this level. So senior level or like an L4 or an L5 at this mm -hmm. company, interview materials for that position mm -hmm. because uh, that really narrowed it down for me. Yeah. And it helped me prepare. So that's that's a technique I use when Google searching. Another thing that really helped was reaching out to my personal network or my Android community people and yeah. just asking for help and saying, hey, I'm about to start talking to these particular companies. Or has mm -hmm. anybody been on interviews before? What are your tips? What should I study? What should I focus on? A lot oh, of engineers yes. do have blogs about mm -hmm. Um, the interviewing processes they went they they went through, and if you mm -hmm. look for Android people, they will um, they usually have uh, information scoped exactly to what you need. Yes. So finding those resources helped. I will say that in the end, mm -hmm. uh, two things really helped. One was Algo Monster, and I really hesitate to recommend a paid service because mm -hmm. not everybody has the resources to yeah. pay for prep, right? Especially mm -hmm. when there's so much free material. The reason mm -hmm. it worked for me is because I had a limited time frame. Um, I was preparing for an hour a day, and it has a very structured and focused course on uh on specifically data structures and algorithms, which is the part that I was weakest in. So yeah. I think I paid like $100 for a one-year subscription to Algo Monster, and nice. it did help. Amazing, because I'm going to yeah. take note on that too. Algo Monster. <laughs> yeah. Cool. yeah. Now, that thank you so much for sharing that. I do have a follow-up question on the Android part, and I'm wondering what's the mm -hmm. difference between an Android, an Android interview process versus a generic software engineering interview? It honestly depends on the company. Mm -hmm. A lot of companies just didn't give me Android questions at all. So wow. it really helps to, to talk to the recruiter ahead of time and mm -hmm. ask them, do you have a generic interview process for all engineers or is there an Android specific uh, interview process? Yeah. Some companies do 100% Android. A lot, most of them will do a mixture of data structures and algorithms and Android questions. Yeah. So the Android part of it can be of several types. The most mm -hmm. common one was just verbal questions. So during a coding round. So in your typical engineering coding round where mm -hmm. you have, let's say, 30 minutes to go through a live coding exercise, yeah. your interviewer would typically save 15 minutes at the end to do a quick round of Android questions. So they would mm -hmm. zip through, can you tell me about how coroutines work on Android or something yeah. like that? So that was the most common one. They just sort of squeezed in Android questions while mm -hmm. after your coding is done. Um, a lot of other companies are doing things like take-home projects where they yeah. give you specs for a simple Android app and they ask you to code it. It's These are also a little tricky because the, com the companies will often say, we want you to only spend four to five hours on this. And I've I found this... <laughs> I found this to be very, very, uh, let me say, optimistic. Yeah. I definitely spent more than five hours on a lot of them. And this was even with copy-pasting code from other projects. Um, <laughs> and then when Bill doesn't, well, actually, right? Android doesn't work. <laughs> right? The first hour is just setting up Android Studio and your Gradle yes. builds. That's that's like the whole hour and a half gone, probably. So true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think, mm -hmm. uh, I think that... 
some it it really varies because some companies mm-hmm. definitely might ding you for saying, "Hey, you didn't add unit tests." Yeah. And you may want to tell them like you said five hours and I did five hours. I couldn't fit in unit tests in five hours. So yeah, your mileage may vary on this one, but typically the Android take-home project is usually simple. Um, there's probably a list view. There's probably a couple of fragment views. Yeah. Um, and it's it's usually uh, basic Android stuff. So most of the time, if you want to impress them, you can go all out, but just basic Android basics is where it's at. So that's your take home project. And then some companies also do Android live coding. So yeah. instead of opening up your um, hacker rank IDE or code signal IDE, uh, sorry, these are like online online code editors where yeah. you typically get to collab with your interviewer. You would just screen share in Android Studio. They would give you a project and you do things like adding a feature in front of them or debugging in front of them. So these are the two most common flavors of Android live coding. So it's it honestly varies so much because yeah. it's very, very new for companies to have Android-specific interview processes. Mm-hmm. And out of the 19 companies that I went through, only three of them had 100% Android. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. The other, Good to know. Yeah, the other ones always had some sort of leak code, data structures, algorithms question thrown in there as well. Wow. Now, let's talk about the sad part, which is, um, let's say you've been rejected. How do you bounce back from a bad or failed interview? Because I feel like 19, like you mentioned 19, and you mm-hmm. got 10 offers. I mean, that's pretty impressive. But yeah. sometimes people don't get an offer at all from the 19. So how do you bounce back? That's a great question. And it has... I have gotten rejected throughout this process multiple times. I've gotten down-leveled multiple times, mm-hmm. and it's it's very difficult. It helped to mm-hmm. approach the um, – because what, what actually makes it much more difficult is because your feelings get involved in this. It emotionally feels often that this company is telling you, oh, you're not good enough. You know, mm-hmm. like you thought you were senior level. You're not. Yeah. Um, and – I had to reframe this in my mind to say, mm-hmm. this interviews are a business, uh, a business experience. You yeah. and this company are interviewing each other to figure out mm-hmm. can we come to terms with a, a contract for employment. Mm-hmm. So, uh, thinking of it as just business helped. This is not a referendum on me or my skills, yeah. uh, or my ability as an engineer or my worth as a person. Um, it honestly, it's, it, it can be really crushing, especially when you think you've done well and the company says, sorry, no, you didn't. Yeah. Another thing that helped was at the end of this, you know, at the end of all these 19 companies, yeah. um, I realized that this process is very arbitrary. Yes. We think that it's going to be a fair, a strict but fair process and everybody's going to evaluate you correctly or, mm-hmm. uh, and they're going to spend a lot of time and it's going to be in a consistent fashion. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Even with companies that have strong hiring cultures, strong hiring processes, it's very difficult for um, for them to be consistent. So, one person that you know may get an offer, you may not, uh, and it could be for completely arbitrary reasons. So it helps to remember that there's mm-hmm. so much of luck and opportunity and timing in the interviewing process yeah. as well. Maybe they're looking for a particular specialist and mm-hmm. you just don't fit that type. Maybe you had an off day and 
this it happens. Yeah, it does. I honestly I have to say I completely flunked an Android bug finder round and it was all simple bugs of the type that I had been solving for years and years yeah. and I just couldn't do it. Yeah. It just happened, you know, it was just an off day. Yeah. So mentally reframing the interview itself, mm-hmm. keeping in mind the fact that interviews are totally can be very very arbitrary uh, really helps uh deal with the feelings of rejection and dejection that come with that come with you know companies turning you down another way to turn this around is to ask for mock interviews so Mm -hmm. reach out to again personal network or connections uh, and run through a a mock interview with them because they will give you feedback companies sometimes don't bother about giving you feedback they give you very generic feedback Mm -hmm. mock interviews can help pinpoint what the problem is are you not communicating clearly are you good at coding but you're just not good at system design Uh, that sort of thing Wow, I'm just blown away by your information and knowledge sharing. And thank you so much for sharing with us. And I'm pretty appreciative for that. Now, I have one more last question. Mm -hmm. And that is, I wanted to ask you, now that you talked about the company, I feel like we've touched on so many great content and all this content will actually be available on our Substack. I think we will Mm -hmm. write an article on that, which is going to be super awesome. And I wanted to ask you, the final question is, how can you evaluate the company or team that's interviewing you? Because I feel like it's always important too. we also look into that. So how do you evaluate that? That is great because I mm-hmm. see that a lot of online materials leave this out. Yeah. Uh, it is just as important for you to evaluate this company yeah. uh, as it is the reverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, that mindset makes a big difference in communication style, actually. Uh, this It gives you confidence. It gives you um, much more projection of of competency. And mm-hmm. both of these things come through in your interviews. Your confidence mm-hmm. is going to help you carry that interview through. So thinking about your interviewer as a conversation partner, they're going to ask you questions. I'm going to ask them questions. Mm -hmm. And uh, when it comes to that, ask the questions, take the time to ask questions, do the research into the company beforehand or the team beforehand, ask around to find out what you can and use that research to base questions off of. Ask about anything that's important to you. Things like, um, what's your team culture? What are your team processes? Are you going to, how are you going to help me grow in my role? How are you going to get me promoted? Or things like, what parts of the code base are, you know, need work right now? All these things. Don't be afraid to ask tough questions. Things like, what would you fix about your code code base or your or your culture and take advantage of the time that every interviewer has to give you. It's also possible, completely possible to ask your recruiter to set up extra meetings for you. Um, And these could be meetings with a hiring manager, another engineer at the level you're interviewing for. And that's that. I love that one because you can ask them questions about the day to day Mm -hmm. things like how many meetings are you part of, you know, how much time do you spend coding versus uh, mentoring other people? If these are things that are important to you. So investing that time really does pay off. Uh, Unfortunately, interviews take a lot of time. It's a huge investment of time and effort. (laughs) It's not easy. It is not easy. And And it's always heartbreaking to, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and I really appreciate what what you shared because I feel like my strategy has always been the same. Like applied a few companies, like I always apply for let's say four 
the top mm-hmm. ones based on the culture and everything that yeah. they say they do. And then on the five, I just wait to hear back. And when you mentioned the referrals, I really like that because that's what I've been utilizing two referrals mm-hmm. and they work yes, because you don't have do. to wait in line. So yes. I think we will also write more on how people can get referrals because I can also share my thoughts on that because I feel like sometimes if referrals don't work, if you don't know somebody working there, you can find somebody through LinkedIn. Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, mm-hmm, yeah. and try to see if they can refer you from LinkedIn. And yeah. I, I love it. Referrals are so important uh, because there was one instance where I was in the process of interviewing at a company and the recruiter was very unsure about me. Mm-hmm. I had a I had a person in that company who had referred me, who was my cheerleader on the inside, who kept yeah. poking the interviewer. Have you scheduled the next round? Like, have you scheduled the onsite for Samaya? Can yeah. you get things moving along for her? And without that person, I probably would not have you know, like had my on-site scheduled with that company. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, this varies. Sometimes referrals can do as much. Your referrers may just be able to get you the interview. But that in itself is the hardest step. Getting yeah. that interview on the calendar is the hardest step. And if you don't have these people in your network, mm-hmm. I it's completely possible to reach out to people on LinkedIn or other communities and mm-hmm. say something like, hey, I know you work for this company. I'm interested in getting a referral. Can I have an hour of conversation with you? No pressure. But at, if at the end of that hour, like, let's uh, let me introduce myself. And if you feel you can refer me, I would be very grateful. That mm-hmm. works. You can ask people to refer you without having this deeper personal relationship ahead of time. That is true. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Party great minutes of great content. I really appreciate that. And I know many people are looking for jobs because it's around the year where people start yes. jumping through. So yes. I know this is going to be very helpful. So you can listen to all podcasts and subscribe to our newsletter where you can read about this particular interview session and thank you so much thank you so much madonna don't go i'm just gonna stop recording